You're listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast. Accelerate your mindset, collaboration and performance by developing limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams and organizations. Now, over to your host, Renee Jerusso. Welcome to the Limitless Leaders Podcast. My name's Renee Jerusso and I'd love to welcome our new listeners and thank our regular listeners who've been sending in feedback and questions for our guests. If you have any topics, questions, or guests that you'd like to be interviewed, please contact us at podcast at renegeruso.com. Someone I know that is into self-development and does a lot for his team and his business, I'm really excited to introduce today, and that is Jamie Cook, who is the CEO of Drummond Golf Australia. Drummond Golf is Australia's premier golf retailer and has been around for over 40 years and has been providing the largest range of the world's leading golf brands at a competitive price for golfers at all levels and at all ages, which is great. From a small stall in Bendigo in 1974, Drummond Golf today is Australia's largest off-course golf retailer with 50 stores nationwide. All the stores, so just just for those of you that don't know, are owner-operated and this guarantees at store level quality service, expert knowledge, convenience and competitive pricing. I've done a little bit of work with Drummond Golf in, it's got to be 2018, so I'd love to welcome Jamie. How are you? I'm good, Renee. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. I'm um, really excited to hear about your journey, and and I'd I'd love to hear about, I guess, where you've come from, and you know how you how you've ended up in the world of golf. I, I guess from a from a um, a business point of view, or, or a golf equivalent, I started in the mailroom. I started university straight out of high school, and at that stage, I'd I'd lived away from home playing football, so I was. Oh. Uh, I was probably a little bit done with the study, but I, I managed to do six months at university, but it coincided with me being introduced into golf. Oh. So <laughs> the I, intersection uh, of opportunity. That's it. That's it. So I quite often describe to people that I, I, uh, I made the decision to, uh, to, to take a break from university for six months uh, and never went back. And it's the best thing I ever did. So. Wow! What what were you just out of curiosity? What were you doing at university? I was studying business and um, computer engineering. Wow! Yeah. Well, I thought I wanted to, to, but you know, the first six months of university yeah. isn't really hard work, so I didn't no. really learn much. But anyway. that's finding out who's who in the zoo, how it all works. That's it. That's so it. your role now? Tell me a bit. Tell us a bit about that. What are your key areas? Like, what's your focus? Well, I've been in the business for well twenty seven years or something like that. I was a former franchisee about uh, 17, 18 years ago with um, a number of partners. We decided to buy the franchise business itself. We had 12 stores at the time in Victoria only and we undertook a growth phase through the 2000s. Uh, I was the product manager in the business for 13 years. I managed all the product for the, that we bought for the stores and my, um, one of my very close friends and and mentors, Mark Everetti was the then CEO. So yeah, yeah. I sort of uh, cut my teeth under him, if you like, and, and in 2015 he retired and I became the CEO. Does he still have a mentor figure in your life still? To this yeah, he does. He works for me now. Oh, okay. <laughs> How the table's <laughs> no, turned. No, well, he's, he's sort Love of it. semi-retired. He, yeah. he works in the business a couple of days a week. We do yeah. we do have a, have some investments in stores, albeit, you know, always yeah. have a partner in, in the stores. So for, for, for me as a franchisor, that 
that could perceivably create some conflict. So yeah, my, yeah. my role is to deal with all of our stores as franchisees mm-hmm. and, and he um, sits on the board and, and manages our okay. helps manage our partnerships in those stores. Yep. Good, good. And look, Drum and Golf, it's a, it's got a you know it's got a great reputation as a brand in in the marketplace. What do you believe you know over all these years has contributed to the brand staying as strong as it is? Well, the model's important because we're the only owner operated. Mm. We're, we're the only bona fide franchise business in golf. So yep. there, there are a lot. There are some other groups. None none of them with a with a presence nationally like we have. Um, but the key for us is that everybody's got their skin in the game. Yeah. If you like. Yeah. So yep. that is opposed to a managed model, and there's some managed models, you know, in different retail sectors that work okay. But mm. our, our philosophy is that it's it's about having owners in the stores, and they drive that yep. that commitment to the customer and that customer service platform, which is, is so is important. Really yeah. yeah, yeah, and they're invested, aren't they? Which is which is important. That's it. We, we talk about culture and culture, you know, for the listeners out there is a bit of a buzzword, you know, it's been around forever. Culture is simply the shared values, beliefs and behaviours of a group of people. That's what culture is. And doing some work with you, you get a feeling of the culture. How would you describe the culture at Drum and Golf? Well, it's, it's interesting when you say a drum and golf because because yeah. being a franchise business, so we've got we've got the retail stores, the franchisees, yeah. and then I've got the head office environment. It's got and internal and external that's almost. It. Yeah. That's it. So yeah. you know, from an internal point of view, I mean, we have fifty customers, and they're mm. the franchisees. Yeah, yeah. And then of course the franchisees have have all their customers. So we're sort of the custodians of both, if you mm. like. Mm. So from an office point of view, you know, we try and it's a real caring, empathetic you know, inclusive and knowledgeable type of culture. And it's all about the franchisee. So, yeah, you know, yeah. they, they must come first on on, on mm. any level mm. and can never be put second to, to anything else. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and from the franchisee's that. point of view, I mean, the culture is really... it's. I mean, the culture's built on the love of the game because mm. all of our franchisees, whilst, whilst not all of them are great golfers, <laughs> they're all passionate golfers yeah. and, they, and they love the sport. Yeah. So I think they're really highly invested in their customers on that. Yeah, which is which is so important. What what do you think some of the values are within Drum and Golf that help shape the culture here at head office and also, you know, out, obviously out out with the franchisees. I mean, it's a good question. The, the value is the main value is empathy. We're never at any stage mm. trying to put ourselves above the franchisees. So I mm. use the term sit alongside. Yeah, you I like know, that. It's, it's, you need to sit alongside. I have six former franchisees work in this head office environment. Mm. So, you know, there is a lot of empathy there. We've walked that path and worked that path so we can we can genuinely sit across the table from franchisees yeah. and understand what they're going through. Albeit, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the first to say, from when I was a franchisee in, in the 90s and mm. early 2000s to now, it's far more complex now yeah, than, yeah. than it was back yeah. then. What's changed? I just think that, you know, the general society changes have impacted the way we do yeah. business and, and the speed and the and, mm. the and the access of information. That's a big one. Yeah. yeah. It means as a, as a retailer or, or a salesperson, you just, the, the bar is really high now. Yeah. You know, because you, you, mm. you run the risk of you, your customers being far more informed than you are on a product that's you're right. trying to, to yeah. sell them or help them with. So. It's the education piece, and I mean that's a big selling point for for the franchisees is around not not so much knowing more or knowing better, but knowing different. 
Yeah, and we, we invest a lot in training. <laughs> yeah, you know we're, yeah. we're 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 massive on training, not just. I mean, that's that's on two two fronts. And mm. We need to service our customers as best we can, yeah. and we need to help find them solutions for what they're trying to yeah. solve. Yeah, but also we need to, you know, we need to invest in the people so that they yeah. they're growing all the time and yeah. more inclined to stay with us as well on that basis. That's right, and I'm I'm a big believer: people, then process, then progress. I really believe if you look after your people, you know, the process comes because you've got that, I guess, rapport, everyone understands each other, everyone feels, you know, and and you'd know this too, you know, across a lot of businesses, people suppress their voice and don't express it. And I think if you've got a culture where where there's understanding and shared values and beliefs, people will speak up more and share their ideas towards that, which I think is, you know, really important. I love the bit about, you know, being inclusive and being empathetic. You know, there's a lot of talk about empathy and empathy is simply feeling in. It comes from a German word that I still don't know how to pronounce, which means feeling in. So I think sympathy is all about sort of understanding, but empathy is all about caring. It's actually yep. that next level, which is good. And I think it's credibility, yeah. You know, if you're Absolutely. you're you're out with the stores, you've been there, you know, and obviously a lot of a lot of your leadership team have too, which I think is important. And also if they haven't, it's fresh eyes. Would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, look, we're fortunate <clears throat> because the segment we work in is is our passion mm. as well. Yeah, that's and, right. And golf's a very unique type of game. Mm. Golf's really the only sport that it's very class neutral. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you go along to a golf course on a Saturday and mm. and, and a lawyer, a builder, a plumber, yeah. they'll yep. all be playing golf together. And, and, and when they're on the golf course, their mm. other walks of life become irrelevant because yeah. it's all about the golf. Yeah. So it's yeah. a, it's almost the, the empathetic sport it because is, everybody it relates to each other when they're on the golf Onto course. Onto something there. And it's it's connection. Yeah, that's it. It's sort of like you, you, you're playing your own game, but you're with others. So it's that nice crossover, which you're right. You don't get in many, any other sports, do you, really? No, and, and look, it's probably the hardest sport to learn to play. So, yeah. you know, someone who's elite in their, in their mm. professional field comes to the golf course. Oh. It's a great leveller. Yeah, yeah, it's totally. I can't, can't rate myself there. My mum did actually get the first ever hole in one. Sorry, mum, we know it was a fluke, but she did. Yeah. It's never too late, you know. Yeah. You can still start. Yeah, yeah, can. So speaking of the game of golf, what have you learned from golf, I guess, as a game and, and you know, the strategic side in your leadership journey? Like what how do you apply it to that? Well, you know, it's interesting how you you put um, you know, process and people in the in mm. the right order before, but process is still important. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, because it's you know, Particularly, we talk about say the say the retail shop floor. I think the steps that you need to work through when you're serving people it, it need mm. to be consistent. Yeah, and there is an order. and yeah. golf's like that. Yeah. So you know, in golf, we have what we call the pre-shot routine. So it's trying to replicate everything you do before mm. you play a shot to give you the best chance of replicating that higher performance. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, why, why would business be any different? So I think there's some synergies there in the way way, way golfers would play golf mm. and the way they should they maybe approach their professional life. It's yeah. just trying to create a bit of consistency. Yeah. Um, but you still got to take the odd risk. That's right. But golf's like that too. It is, isn't it? So you've, you've got process, you've got procedures, but you've also got to put your own spin on it. Yeah. And I think that's... 
that's such an important thing that would I, I suppose would make certain stores stand out more than others like this just their uniqueness that they're bringing bringing to the game so to speak yeah i have a term i use it more relates to you know managing inventory within yeah retail yeah. business but i always say to the guys you bank 80 and punt 20 not the other way around yeah you yeah know, if you're yeah, punting 80 like of your stock or 80 percent of the things you do mm. you're just not going to be consistent enough and it's going to be too too fragmented for people to follow you. Yeah, So you've got to have that core of consistency and then, you know, maybe 20% of that you're just challenging all the time. Yeah, and I I love you. You've got a bit of a, a saying around, you know, don't just challenge convention, change it. Because people, I think you'd agree, can over-challenge for the sake of it, but have a good reason to do so. And challenge convention, challenging convention for the sake of it, it's never seen as anything more than being argumentative. Yeah, Tell me so, a bit about that. Oh, well, I think there are some people you come across in life who just feel like they need to challenge everything yeah. and you don't. So you sort of, you've got this spectrum of people, some people who just don't challenge anything and some <laughs> people that just become argumentative. Yeah. And it's just about having the balance Happy and medium. What, what works, yeah. So, mm. you know, I mean, for us, we in a sense of what we've done in the golf industry, there was no convention to challenge because there was no, when we started this journey from a franchising perspective, there was no national franchise. No, so no benchmark. That's right. So we sort of had to, I mean, we didn't invent franchising, that's been around for a long time, but in the golf segment, even on a world basis, we were quite unique. And I travel the world a lot and, Mm. and see different retailers. And we are quite unique in the way we operate as a genuine bona fide 50 store franchise operation. We don't have any company-owned stores. Mm. They have all franchise. Like I said, we do have some investment mechanisms and some as support mechanisms, but but they're not run as company-owned stores. Yeah. They're run as franchise stores, and and it's quite particularly in the golf segment. It's very 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 unique. unique. Yeah, wow. And I and I guess it's it's you know once you get I always say you get a bit of a blueprint. It's replicating success. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So, so if, if you looked at that and you were going to replicate that or double that, what what would be the three, two or three key things that you believe would make that possible to be able to do that easily and effortlessly? Well, in a more granular sense for us, replicating success is about understanding what it looks like to start with. So yep. when you've got a mature franchise group like we have, mm. I don't have to invent much and neither does the team here at Head Office yeah. because... Uh, you know, if, if there was if there was ten things you had to do really, really well to run a successful golf franchise, yeah. we do all ten brilliantly somewhere. Yes, yeah. Right? But, We've got that model of excellence, I well, call it. But but not all mm. in the one spot. No. So you know, there's a bit of a spectrum of someone's good at this but yeah. not good at that. So all it's about is trying to find the success and transfer it. Yeah, I love it. Through yeah. So that's around sharing best practice, yeah? yeah? How do you do that? Franchisees, they're, they're remote, and I'll, we'll talk about that a bit more, but, you know, there's there's a lot of you I know out there listening that have teams that are all over the country, you know, overseas, where you are trying to communicate remotely. How do you and what modes do you use to share best practice? Okay, well, I mean, I said before how it's become more difficult business these days because of technology and progress but mm. that part of it's become easier yeah yeah you know, yeah if anything you've really got to moderate the amount you communicate that's right and keep it effective because yeah. you can't over can dilute it and it, it loses its purpose well particularly in a, you know 
you've got to remember that our franchisees are running retail environments. Now, mm. that is the most volatile and pragmatic environment there is, mm. is retail, because our, our, our retail customers don't book. No. You know, they, they come walk in. in. Yeah. And, and yeah. you can start a day with the best of intentions mm. and, and it's blown out of the water, hopefully, by the fact yeah. that lots of customers come in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, it's uh, we use, uh, we have an intranet, an internal yeah communication system where where stores you know we host our land manuals mm. and our policies and procedures and so forth yeah um we run we're about to actually launch a, an internal social media platform oh. that uh that called workplace where franchisees yeah. will be able to share um images and ideas that's great in closed forums so that yeah. they can all get draw inspiration from each other yeah um, quite often in our franchise we have two franchise conferences a year and and i, and I always start by saying now if you're reintroducing yourself to people at this conference. You need to challenge the way you're doing things because mm. you know we have phones and we should be talking to each other and yeah. and drawing That's right. from each other. Along. No, I love that, and I think it's that whole collaboration piece, yeah. which you know it, it's so important. I, I've got um, quite a few companies I'm working with that are doing Win Wednesdays and Failure Fridays, and they they call the Failure Friday something else, some of them. <laughs> you know who you are. But um, so what that is is, you know, whether it's teaming or SharePoint or, um, you know, groups, it, it's basically someone shares something, a win, and then they put it on there and then they choose the next person to share a win. Okay. And then... And it's and it's not just I did this. Look at me. It's it's more around how they did it, so that people know they can replicate success. And the failure Fridays is around what went wrong, and it could be the smallest thing. It could be we had a meeting that we shouldn't have had, or um, I did this and I stuffed up and I made a mistake or I took a risk. But it's around what that was, what the lesson was, and how they've accepted that, and then applying it to their teams or their businesses. So it's just something to, to think about. And then you get this beautiful sort of, I guess, flow of sharing best practice because there's nothing worse than, and we've all been there, you know, you go to a conference or a quarterly meeting and someone says, oh, I did it this way, and you see everyone go, oh, God, I wish I'd known that. So it's, it's a good way to get it in one spot. Yeah, but just the, the, the really important thing, though, is the, me- is the mechanism. Mechanism, totally, Because, yeah. you know, as much as I could talk to one franchisee who's really good at something mm. and I could understand exactly what they're doing, yeah. there's a big difference between me articulating that to another franchisee and then hearing it from that other from franchisee. From the actual themselves. person, yeah. I could, I could say it word for word. Yeah. And, and as empathetic as I like to think I am, the reality is for every day I'm removed from the floor of the shop, mm perceivably I become less and less mm. empathetic. But yeah. ultimate empathy is the, the person who's doing exactly the same thing as you are every day. That's right. That's the person you probably have the propensity to learn from the most. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why that sort of works well because it's com- coming from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Yeah. So communication, Jamie, is a, a huge area, you know, I do a lot, of, a lot, a lot of work on. Leadership's a bit of a, I guess, an umbrella, but it all comes down to communication and getting the response that you need to, to get cut through. How how do you do that? I mean, obviously we've talked about a few things, but having, you know, 50 stores around Australia, mm-hmm. you know, how how do you do it? How do you communicate? Well, I think depending on what the topic is, the general rule of thumb is you always communicate broadly to the group first because mm. there, are, there are a large chunk on any given topic that will just get it and yeah. run with it, yeah. right? So what it is, so let's call it 50. Um, you might communicate a particular issue or, issue or initiative and 
30, 35 might on that particular issue. They'll just run, pick it up and run with it. Mm. So then for, for the remaining 15 who might be struggling with that particular issue where it doesn't relate to them as much, we tend to what we call over-resource that. So we, we then will we'll approach them on a more individual basis yeah. to say, okay, are you okay? Yeah. But you always do the group one first because, yeah. you know, the guys, some guys will just grab that and yeah. run with it. And, and it's different. Depending on the topic, it'll be a different 35. That's, That's the whole right. point about what I said before, the confidence yeah. Yeah. sort of range a little bit so so it's it's more around you get the mass message out and then you tailor it to those that need that specific tailoring because in, in an ideal world it's always face to face then phone and then email but obviously with remote teams and you mentioned earlier technology can be helpful or it can be a hindrance and I think the use of it the right use of it, and I know you guys use zoom as well it, it's amazing what you can do mm. and I think it's having the intentional saying before intentional conversations versus impulsive. Yeah. So if it is a half an hour catch up, you know, and I, I see it a lot, they catch up and then what are we talking about? Have just some key points. Yeah. So that it's intentional. Yeah, but we we've also got to be mindful of oh, to franchisees existence and 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 you know we use the Zoom conference um, platform quite mm. a bit, um, particularly, you know, suppliers and overseas people but even with franchisees but it is still a a more formal you know you've got to make specific time yeah um yeah. so you've just got to balance that off because you're just mm. mindful of the franchisees existence and the way yeah. they're struggling to manage their time yeah and then time is as we all know you know time is the most it's more valuable than money now when, when yeah and there's been global surveys done around it, it, it's the time and it comes back to which we've talked about self-management we've all got the same amount of time but it's it's what you do and with it and how you leverage I guess those cracks of time yeah. to be doing the right thing at the right time to get the right result um, you know I'm a huge advocate of developing others and seeking growth as you know I'd love to hear as a business what you're doing internally to grow the people piece um, well I think you know once again I've got the two sort of level so yeah, we've got the, yeah. the head office environment with well the let's start with here. them yeah um i think it's all about trying to create an opportunity for everybody to receive constructive feedback about how they're going and what type of um, areas they they can be working on constructive i think that's yeah. that's the key and Definitely. we have a few different tools and so forth we use within here not, yep. notwithstanding you know we obviously do some reviews and, mm. and so forth mm. but we also um, have taken a run at um, restructuring some of our meeting processes you know okay. i'm not a big fan of this cast of thousands and everybody and everything so no. i think you've just got to make sure particularly with a diverse workplace that that people are, are getting involved in the right things. Yeah, that, um, that's that's a big one. It's not people focus on a lot of the the content of a meeting or a catch up. I've got to a point, Jamie. I don't call anything a meeting. It has a name yeah. of whatever the outcome is, and if you can't come up with that, then you yeah, probably no, shouldn't be bad. having it. But you're right, having the right people in there because you've got to value time for yourself and others. Yeah. Yeah, well, and there's a difference. I, I get that bit about not not calling it a meeting but you know you've got mm. you've got the creative side of things that you're trying where you're trying to create new initiatives yeah. but you've still yeah. got operations That's and you've right. still got to run yeah. um, processes so meetings are good for those yeah. because they, they're very yeah. accountable if they run right they become very good accountability mm. pieces for the people that are, that are yeah. trying to perform yeah 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 definitely and and you, what else are you doing internally to grow the people you're doing some sales you've got you've got some academy type 
Yeah, we've we've invested quite heavily in a in a in a retail sales training program, um, and look, the, there was quite a number of options um, we were faced with when choosing it, and the, and the reason why we chose the one we did, which is, is named Capstone, which is a proprietary yeah. name, but it's run by a, a company called Red Sea that has helped us with it. Um, the reason why we chose it is it's actually a it's not just a retail training program it's actually a coaching and retail yeah, training good. program. So the way it's an online based retail training program, but it's 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 a long answer format, so it's not just multiple choice. Yeah, yeah. And each time a team member or staff member does a module, it has to go to their coach, so yeah. their franchisee yeah. to be marked. Yeah. And there's some interaction. So what it creates is a mechanism and once again think about the the volatility of retail Mm. Mm. it creates a consistent mechanism where that franchisee can give their staff feedback through the way they trade yeah so and and the one thing i've really tried to impress on on the on the guys in our last conference is when you use that method so yes it's a capstone training program it's drum and golf training program but when a staff member is going through that process with their franchisee Mm. They're not learning from Capstone. They're actually learning from their franchisee. That's, that's right. And that's, that's just the framework, Capstone, but it's the richness is in the coaching, the constructive feedback and the ongoing, you know, commitment to it. So yeah. so let me ask you a question. Yeah. You would have people that you respect. Yes. And what's the one common thing that they've all done for you? Honest feedback. Close. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, it's a yeah. loaded question, but I think by and large, when you think about the people that you respect Speak. and that you look up to, mm. the vast majority of them have taught you something. Ta- yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. by creating a mechanism where franchisees can teach mm. their staff, and it can be seen by the by the staff member as the franchisee teaching yeah. them, and when you're building respect. Yeah, and trust and, 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 and loyalty. And them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love online programs that do measure capability. I'm a big... Big, big fan of that. Where we're actually releasing one next year that just measures you as a coach, leader as coach at three different levels. And it's just, it's 10 questions and and they are multiple choice, but each question leads you to a resource to read a video, to watch something to do that feeds back to your manager, which is really exciting. Okay. So we're about to, about to trial that. But I think, you know, people do what's inspected, not expected. So I think that whole conversation that's ongoing that's measurable drives ownership not just accountability i think it's deeper well it's interesting because we have it we have two <laughs> learning platforms so our, our other platform we use is miyagi which we use for yeah. product training that's right and that is primarily multiple choice yeah but it's really interesting because it's an online platform yeah and when you do a module you obviously have to get so many questions right to pass. yeah 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 and yeah. if you don't and you have to redo it when you go back all the answers change around yeah, so cool. So you can't remember. So you can- <laughs> I love it. So I have nothing put else. That you in need to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I, I love that because I've always thought of that. I know some different accreditations. I personally have the the big master sort of test they do at the end of being a credential coach, and that it changes every yeah, yeah. every, which makes sense. <laughs> so I have a belief, Jamie, around a thing called a gift mindset and I'm, I'm actually in the process of writing a book on the gift mindset, so how to lead and be limitless. And I think taking the great things that happen in our life and also the, the crappy situations and people and turning and flipping them to become a lesson we can use for the greater good I think is really important. And, you know, I have a bit of a saying around debate with intent trumps harmony for comfort's sake and taking risks and making mistakes 
as a leader such as yourself, you, you need to be doing that or to, to a certain extent, not for the sake of it. So I'd love to ask you in, in your career, what's, what's a mistake or a risk you've taken that's taught you a really valuable lesson that you're happy to share? Okay, we'll limit it down to a couple, really. Um, <laughs> well, like I said before, I was a product manager for 13 years and that's a real role that, you know, you do, you develop a bit of an outer crust in that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, in, in negotiation and buying and so forth. But probably the one skill I've developed is I used to be, I'd like to think I'm a little bit more composed these days, but I used to be quite impulsive and could get a bit emotional. So, mm. uh, and particularly in this age of email, You've just yeah. got to be really wary about firing off written communication. So totally, yeah. I have a massive rule, and that is uh, always deliver bad news uh, quickly and in person. Yes. And if there is follow-up um, written communication that might be, you know, perceived as negative, um, mm. I write it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I save it. I go home. I sleep. I sit come on back, it. Yeah. And I read it. Yep. And you know, I always change it. Isn't that interesting? And it's because your state changes. It's, you go from reacting to responding. So we all know reactions full of um, emotion and responses full of logic. So it's that whole take five or sleep on something. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. And I, I love that around, I think, delivery of great feedback or constructive or bad news or whatever it is, where you can. I always think we've got to bring humanisation back into the workforce, human-centred leadership, I call it, because nothing, technology is great, but there's such a clutter and there's so much noise around it that I think more so than ever, we've got to go back to how it used to be. Absolutely. And I, I actually have three daughters. Yeah, yeah. So two of them have phones now. The, mm-hmm. the rule is they get to year seven, they get a phone. So right. the little yep. one, she's in, she's in grade five. She can't wait oh, to get a phone. But she'd be counting the days. <laughs> but we have one rule. Yep. And that is, you can under no circumstances ever break a commitment by a text message. Yeah. So I good. Said to them, got a phone. If you're going to break a commitment, you need to do it in person. Yeah. If you can't make it to somewhere, ring them up and say, look, I'm sorry, yep. I can't make it. No. No text messages. No. So I think that's a good rule and it teaches, I like it. But it's a simple rule. It's simple and it's it's also too back and we all know this, you know, people are auditory, kinesthetic, visual, we're all a mix. Seeing is believing. It's a whole cognitive bias. It's a whole judgment piece. And I think if you can see people's body language, feel it, get a feeling. Mm. Remember, 93% of your message when you're face-to-face with someone is your body language, your tone, your pitch and your pace, not your words. So on an email, all you're conveying is 7% of your message, which is your words. So, and, and, you know, I think, and I don't know, Jamie, if you've seen this, a lot of leaders in quite senior positions that have worked on strategy or worked on um, some pretty big, big stuff in a business, they work on it over a year or two. And then when they deliver it, they wonder why their team's like, whoa, in shock. And it's because they've had it in their head for 24 months. So, you know, that again is about involving others. Yeah, yeah, do, do you get what I'm saying? Involving others. Absolutely. And um, I see that a lot. And I think I think that's really, really important. I'd love to ask you, who who's a key leader that's impacted you in your journey and why? Well, I mean, oh, fortunately, you know, being introduced to golf when I was sort of around 18, if you've spent any time in golf clubs, you know, that... Mm. Golf is an, is an older sport, so you, 
you know, as a young person going into a golf club, you, you have a lot of older people around yeah. you. So I've had a yeah. lot of, I've got a lot of older friends and, and a lot of older mentors. Mm. And I, you know, I like to think that I'd sort of have picked the best, tried to pick the best bits from yeah, people. Yeah, definitely. And, but my predecessor here, Mark, who, who he was actually back in our franchisee days, I was the franchisee Benny and he was in Terrellman. Yeah, so we, yeah. we would talk yeah. constantly on the phone. He's sort of 10 years my senior. He probably he probably helped me um, get the emotional levels right. Yeah. Because I was, you know, obviously, yeah. and, and the flip side is as owning a franchise at quite a young age yeah. and employing, most of the time employing people older than me. Um, That's a challenge Yeah, you know, it's a real challenge. And, yeah. and, and, you know, he, he helped me sort of yeah. get the levels right, get yeah. the emotional levels yeah. right to be able to deal with people effectively. Yeah. And I love that. And emotional intelligence and social intelligence, you know, yeah. understanding others is, what are they saying now? 71% of hiring managers will hire on emotional intelligence over IQ now. It's yeah. really flipped. And I think when we're all a bit younger, you know, I don't think you know your triggers. Yeah. You don't have as much emotional control. But I think as we, as we get a bit more mature... <laughs> And we get, and I love what you said about you get different things from different people. I think it's like friends. Yeah. You know, you have your your party friend, your zen friend, your chill out friend, your supporter, your cheerleader, whatever. And I think I think with mentors it's the same. You've got to get, and different ages. Well, it's rare that it exists in one person. That's, well, the, that's right. That's sort of the point, isn't it? And, um, and yeah. changing your mentors, would you agree that's, that's important? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. I think, and, you know, I mean, you don't, look, I mean, I think some of the, Best mentors I've had. You know, you don't seek them out. No, it's a you, natural. You just engage. You, yeah. you connect, and you find people that you really connect with. Yeah. You? So no, that, I love that's, that. That's probably the key to it because it's really hard to manufacture that. Yeah. Anyway. That so that's right, of, and it's got to be. And I always say say this to my clients: you coach. So coaching's more about asking, getting you to an outcome. Mentoring's more about telling, informing, giving advice of something you've done before, and you can have someone that does both or either or whatever. But I always, I always challenge my my clients to every year look at what do I need now, what's next for me to therefore, if they're seeking a professional coach or mentor, and then obviously there's some in like my mum's one of my mentors, and she always will be in for a certain area in my life. You yeah. know, like you said, it sort of happens by osmosis, doesn't it? I'd love to ask you, being a limitless leader, so for me, a limitless leader is a leader that knows no bounds, learns, unlearns, evolves, continues to go to that next level, takes a lot of energy, you know, and I know you're, you're very passionate about what you do. How do you get balance in your life? Well, what do you do to keep, you, to keep re-energised, I guess? I'm not the master of this, <laughs> so I'm with you there. <laughs> I, I probably could be. I could be classified um, maybe as a bit of a workaholic, which which isn't which is should by no stretch be a badge of honour, but it's just an ethic thing. Mm. You know, I've just always always applied myself, you know, yeah. with energy to things. Yeah. So it's actually one of the questions I can't. I, I struggle to mm. put a finger on. I, I guess. I, I think that emotional level thing is important because um, I was, I, 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 you know, I tend to sleep better now because I, I, I think I, I probably think better. Yeah, and, yeah. And I don't, I, I get, I have. So you I got more clarity. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. You, you tend not to stress. Yeah. You know, you, you, you develop a higher resistance to stress by mm. not 
by not having more stress, but learning to control it, con- well, not, not control, control it, but, manage it, but of. just make sure not turn non-stressful things into yeah. stressful things. Yeah, yeah. You know, have you ever laid awake at night oh. thinking, "I've got to do this, I've got to do this," and you get up the next day and you do it, and you go, "Why did I sleep? Yeah. Why did I wake, lay awake at night?" And we call that the three AM committee. It is, but <laughs> but then when you you realise in retrospect, mm. but you, but it takes a long time to train yourself to not That's do that. Right. So it's about it's mindset. That's it. It all comes back, and I love that you brought that up. Mind, mindset, it's all about our inner dialogue because our inner dialogue creates our feelings and then our actions. And that night thing, I speak to a lot of clients. A lot of clients bring that up. I'm guilty of it. So 3 a.m. committee, you've got all this chatter, all these thoughts, and they say the psychology behind the stress of that is you actually can't do anything about it in the middle of the night. That's right. So you have a shower, you have your coffee, and you go, what the hell is I worried about? Everything looks better in the light, as they say. <laughs> no, I love that. And it is, look, I you're very passionate, you know, as, as am I, and I think sometimes when you do what really lights you up, that gives you energy. And if you're satisfying what lights you up, it keeps you going. But as we all know, it's important to build some habits and rituals around getting balance. Mm. And, and, and self-care and what, what you know, I believe is a work-life blend. I don't believe in work-life balance. I think that something has to give. A blend is integrated and sometimes yeah, sure. easier to implement. So to finish off, because we've, we've covered a lot, we could chat all day, I'd, I'd love to ask you, what is your favourite word? It's my quick trivia. My favourite word is optimise. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because my, my marketing director, my 2IC, Ravi, he uses maximise. Maximise, I love it. what the yeah, difference yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and let me explain what I think the difference is. Mm. Maximise is is absolutely getting the most out of everything, but yeah. you have to have everything to do that. Yeah. Optimise is getting the most out of what you've got. Yes. And using the tools that you've got and, and, and getting the most out of that. Which will which would would not necessarily be the maximum potential should you have all the tools, mm. but it's getting the best out of everything. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I definitely. tend to use that word a lot. I love that. And does that word, you know, they say, and I always say to our listeners, have a big word, have a big word for the year and a big word each quarter, and you don't have to publicise it, but you sort of make sure everything you're doing is aligned. There's congruency and alignment with that. Is that in your personal life too? Optimise. Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I had to get you back for the question you asked me before. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like to say I'm um, obsessive compulsive by convenience. Yep. My wife oh, okay. struggles with this, so you yeah. can come to my desk, and um, and it can be just you know, and I'm one of those. Well, I know everything mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. Um, but yet sometimes in in some things I do, I'm really particular and have to get everything yeah. in order. So you so know, it's maybe dependent I'm, on the. That's sort interesting. of, I, I think I'm more obsessive in my working life than yeah. I probably am in my personal life. Yeah, yeah. And what sound or noise do you love? What's your favourite sound or noise? You know, I always, I like, I like to come up just with some, some, some quirky stuff. Well, um, my favourite noise is when my family's at the dinner table. Yeah, yeah. When I, when my daughters are uh, fully engaged with each other, which. You know, when you've got three <laughs> girls, those with three girls out there, you'll know, uh, it's hard to get them all aligned at the same time. But when you get that moment when they're all mm, interacting in flow, with each other, like, yeah, yeah, right. and yeah, there's yeah. no conflict and they're laughing. Yeah. That's moment. awesome. I love that. That's gorgeous. And last but not least, if you could attempt another profession, 
What would it be? It's this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why this feels no, no, so I, easy. I always had this thought that broadcasting would be a great, you know, because I just yeah, love yeah. conversing with people yeah, and stuff. But yeah, not, yeah. not broadcasting in the sense of calling something, but talking to people. Yeah, conversation. I guess if I, you know, if I come yeah, back yeah. in real life, I might do that. Around. I could see you doing that. Yeah, why not on the side? you got time. No. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so any last words, I guess, for our listeners out there? Like a nice maybe piece of piece of advice you'd like to share or anything before we move on? I think with people, it should always be about why. Mm. Um, particularly, I find in an organisation like ours, if you're, if you're just giving directions and, and sort of pushing initiatives down the pipe, it, it's, it's really going to work. Yeah. But yeah. if you take the time, and it really does take no more time, it's just a different method of just explaining to people why you're doing what you're doing. doing. So and you're talking about that. change or something yeah, new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything. anything. Why are we doing it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as a franchise business, we have a franchise agreement. We just, we never use it. It's, it's not mm. It's not about, you know, what we sign up for. It's about, does this make sense? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and this is why we're trying to do it and do you agree? And, yeah. and if you articulate that in the right way and people understand why you're trying why? to do it, well, generally they'll engage and they'll follow you. So. And I love that. And it gets missed too often. You know, people only buy into change or something new or an idea if there's something in it for them, including all of us. So I, I love that. And it goes back to the Simon Sinek stuff. You know, if you haven't read that book, Start With The Why, that's an awesome book. But even, um, Jamie, on an email, you know, I... I always look back years ago and if I had to get numbers, those of you that show my age here, Cognos data, if I had to get numbers from my sales team, it'd be, hey guys, hope you're well, can you send me your numbers? That's probably what I had. I was, you know, late late 20s. Now I'd be going back going, hey guys, I'd love to share what an awesome week we've had with the leadership team. Make sure your numbers are in. So even having that why at the start of the body of the email creates a hook yeah. For them to want it, so I think that's an awesome piece of advice. Well, maybe it's just people just need to understand Stamped. that something productive is going to be done with yeah. what you're asking me to do, rather than that's just right. making me do something for the sake of it. And yeah. again, it goes back to if you've been working on something for your team for a while and they know nothing about it, and you just jump in with the what, yeah, start with the why. I love it. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, and I'm sure those of you out there have got a lot out of it. So love to hear any comments or feedback. The Limitless Leaders podcast is now on Android, Apple, Overcast and Spotify. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Limitless Leaders podcast, leading from the inside out to develop limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams and organizations. To find out how you can accelerate your mindset, your communication, collaboration and connection to become a limitless leader, sign up for our Limitless Leaders podcast series at www.renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. That's renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. 